You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. A few weeks ago, I taught a message. Uh, It was called, How Is Your Hearing? And in this message, I broke down the parable of the sower. And I'm not going to do that again, but you can go find that in Luke chapter 8, or you can go back and listen to that message. But in that message, I made a statement. And the statement was this, that what you do with the word of God, it really matters. It's not just enough, as we're going to find out in a moment, just to be a hearer, but what you actually do with what you hear, it really, really matters. I'm going to kind of piggyback on that message, and I'm going to start in James chapter 1. Verse 22, Uh, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to open that. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, and you may not have that, but that's okay. But he says this, prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word word, but fail to eternalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it. He is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. Verse 25, but he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God and what he does in his life of obedience. Such an incredible set of scriptures. Uh, You'll hear this scripture probably quite a bit in times to come as we're focused in on 2024 being the year of the sword. 2024 being the year of the truth. And you can go back and listen to that word if you want to. It was back in like December 31st, I think New Year's Eve, um, where I gave this word that I feel like the Lord is calling us to, to dive way, 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 way into. There, there are things in our life that are going to depend on the amount of word that we know and the amount of word that we'll obey. Your identity, your children's identity, your household, your business, everything about your life, it hinges on your obedience to the word of God. Amen. James says it It's not just enough to simply hear the word in this set of scriptures, but we've got to become doers of this word. If we move from being careless listeners, people that come to church, we hear it, it was like, oh, that was good, it tickled our ears, maybe it felt good, maybe it stepped on our toes, and then we don't do anything with it. He's saying that you actually don't move into the place of receiving the fullness of what Jesus' word could do for you in your life. But the moment that you apply it, he says, the moment that you do it, the moment that you obey it, Those people, he says, they become blessed and they are favored by God. I didn't say it, he said it. Remember when you first received Jesus as Lord, you believed with your heart and then what did you do? There was something that had to take place in you for that to become a reality and it was that it had to come out of your mouth in confession. That was you being a doer of that word. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And I heard and I did. That moment, that, those two things happened. I heard and I did, and therefore he came and he changed everything about me. The old passed away. Behold, all things became new in that one verse. Amen. What you do with the word, it really, really matters. Amen. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive further into this. Father, I thank you for our time. I thank you for what you've done. What a beautiful uh, representation of love and a representation of peace. 
that I still feel in this room. I thank you that you are faithful to your promise, you're faithful to your word, that where two or more are gathered in your name, so are you there in our midst, and I thank you for being here. You are the honored guest. And I pray that we experience the universe where we find ourselves knowing that the God of the universe is with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us into your truth this morning, that you would guide my mouth, that you would open our ears to hear, amen. eyes to see. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know some of you are new by raise of hands just a moment ago, and, and, and so I wanted to quickly introduce my family to you. Uh, this is my family right here. Incredible looking people, aren't they? Yes, yes. So this is my, my wonderful wife. Her name is Stacy. If you've been wondering, he says he has a wife, but does he? Here she is. This is Stacy. Stacy's our children's pastor, uh, an incredible woman of God, uh, an incredible mom. The description of Mama Bear. No, she is uh, the, the description of Mama Bear. She will come after you in your sleep. She does it to me often. Uh, I'm just kidding. She doesn't. Um, and then we have Griffin. This is Griffin. She's our eight-year-old. Uh, the, the little one is Collins. She just turned three. She, she's incredible. These two, they actually know no strangers uh, at all. So if they decide to get in your car and go home with you, it's normal. Uh, just send them back. Uh, they love people. Uh, the oldest one in the top, that is Presley. Uh, she's, she is about to be 15, an incredible uh, girl. She's so faithful and loves people, uh, loves Jesus, so kind. And then uh, the, the big guy in the middle is Bryden. He is our son. He just turned 12. And I wanted to tell you, I wanted to introduce you to my family. That's who they are. But I also wanted to tell you this story. When Bryden, I uh, wanted you to be able to put a face to the name, but when Bryden was about uh, six or seven, I would, I would be talking to him and he just would be just looking dead away from me. And I'm like, I know that little joker can hear me. You know, like, you know when you say something to your kid and, and you're like, oh, they're ignoring me. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm gonna say this louder. Or I'm gonna just, if he doesn't start listening to me, and it, it, I would like have to finally be like, Brighton. He'd be like, and he would look at me like, oh, I didn't know I, I, didn't know I wasn't the only one in the room. I'm like, oh, you knew I was standing right there the whole time. You could hear me. He's like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know you were there. And so I told Stacy, I'm like, I've, I'm not trying to confess anything over my son, but I, I don't know that he can hear me anymore. Or he just is that good at not wanting to hear me anymore. I took him to the doctor, and sure enough, in, and so we took him to the doctor, and sure enough, in, he had such a... a um, congestion in his ear canal, he actually couldn't hear. <laughs> I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, I don't want to destroy you anymore. I want to love you. Let me pray for healing for you, buddy. You know, like lay hands first, pray second. That's how I was feeling before. <laughs> you know? And then they were like, oh, there's something wrong. Okay, lay hands only uh, and pray. And so it, 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 was, it was an easy fix. The doctor was able to do some things and opened up his ears and then he was back to normal. I'm like, either you were just on vacation and it was the greatest vacation that you had for about four months, Bryden, or uh, there was something actually really wrong and there was something that was actually, actually wrong. Uh, I tell you that story because uh, sometimes, we, sometimes it's because we don't 
And sometimes it's because we can't, sometimes it's because we don't, and sometimes it's because we don't want to. <laughs> you ever misheard something? You ever misheard information? All the time we do this, my grand lyrics, uh, I remember as a kid, I was gonna say, uh, I'm thinking about song lyrics. Uh, I remember as a kid being a Garth Brooks fan. And then he did whatever he did. And so bless him, Lord. I was thinking about the song Shameless. I thought he was saying, and I'm shaving. Couple of cowboys in the room. I thought he was saying, and I'm shaving. Shaving like a man should be. <laughs> he wasn't saying that, he was saying shameless. Well, not sausage rolls. <laughs> we built this city on sausage rolls. Um, it's not what it says. <laughs> we mishear things. My, my granddad, he, he told me the story of one time he got in a fight when he was end up. He actually said, shut up. He's like, I thought the guy said, stand up. He actually said, shut up. <laughs> said he goes home to his dad and his nose is bleeding. And he walks in, his dad's like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, I got my nose broken in three places. And his dad's like, you should stay out of those places. <laughs> it's, it's, I know we're being funny, but hearing in the way that you hear and what you do with what you hear, it really matters. Hearing correctly matters, both in the relationships with the world around you, but then also in your relationship with God. I said this a few weeks ago, but you can make a God that you can't see say anything that you want him to. And oftentimes in temptation or in oftentimes in the place of wanting, we actually say God, say God said and actually he didn't. Because if he said what you should have done is you should have said, does it sound like the God that I know in scripture? And if it didn't, something else said. It was another spirit. Sometimes if you're like me, it was the spirit of stupid. He visits often. He gets evicted and then he comes back and it's an ongoing battle. That's why reading our Bibles is, is so important that we actually aren't creating things that God said, but we're actually uh, finding ourselves delighting in his words so that we know what he says. The other week, I had the privilege, uh, it was uh, at youth. Our youth ministry is thriving and growing. Uh, it was a blast. It was so much fun. I started in youth ministry and children's ministry, so it's always a blast to get to go back in there. In fact, Rabe, our youth pastor, uh, years ago was a student in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. And so it's really cool to have two of my kids, now students in his youth ministry, cool full circle kind of life and ministry moment. But it was a blast to get to go speak there. there it's thriving. I was uh, regularly, this year, 100 kids show up on a Wednesday night. This year, January, February, there's been 20, uh, just over 20 salvations. So God is moving our ear gate and our eye gate. I don't know if you've ever heard about gates, but obviously gates are, are things that we set on our fences and they keep things in or they keep things out. And every, every one of us have this duty to protect what we're looking at and protect what we're hearing, right? And I just broke this down for the students, but Proverbs chapter four, he, he talks about my child, listen carefully to my words, talking about our ears. He says, don't lose sight of them, talking about our eyes. They bring life to those who hear them and health to their whole bodies. That's what the word does. Our eyes and our ears are, are places in which then we have to understand that the enemy is actually going to come and try to attack our ears and our eyes. 
He's going to try to put something before us, either in what we can hear or put something before us in what we see so that we might deviate off of the pledge that we got to break down. But from just this really fun message that we got to break down. But from the beginning of time, the enemy has been perverting God's word from the very beginning of time, simply twisting and creating a, a wrong version of what God had said. And our ears and our eyes, they have so much to do with our hearing. We have to be on guard and protect our, our gates so that we when received, God's word actually produces everything that it's designed to produce in our lives. We gotta pay attention to what we're watching, what we're seeing, amen? This week I wanna talk to you about how two outcomes in scripture were directly related to what was done with the word of God. I was doing some research and looking through uh, the Bible and looking through Google and talking to people that, that, that know the word in and out and different people. And I, I come to this conclusion that there's only two people in scripture that Satan talked to directly himself. Now, there was secondhand information. There was a moment that he talked to God in the book of Job, but he talked to Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he talked to Jesus in the wilderness when he tempted him. And these two moments in Scripture have completely different outcomes, both of which were directly related to what Eve did with the word and what Jesus did with the word. One led to the fall of man, and one led to the redemption of man. So I want you to turn in your Bible with me to Genesis chapter two, verse 15 and 17 is what we're gonna read. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for if for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now skip to Genesis 3, just one chapter forward, verses one through six. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He had said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the servant said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was of its fruit, the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And in this moment, it was the first moment, as we know, where sin entered the world. I want us to pay attention to the fact that immediately, so God creates Adam, he, he creates everything before Adam, obviously he creates Adam, places Adam, uh, causes Adam to go to sleep, takes a rib out of Adam, creates woman, now it's Adam and it's Eve and this beautiful union in the, in the perfect place, the garden of Eve in heaven on earth. And immediately, out of this place, of fullness out of this place of I am the most content out of this place of there, there's nothing that, that could happen that could make my life any better. I want you to pay attention to this. She was living in the fullness of everything that God had made. It was perfect. And immediately in that place, the enemy came and said, I'm going to actually see if I can get you to come off of what God said. 
You have to understand this. In the highest of highs of your still life, when you feel like you are on top of the world, please make sure that you're still watching your surroundings because the enemy, like a, like a lion, comes prowling around looking for someone to devour because he hates us. John 10.10, 10, it tells us so. He only comes, the thief, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in this moment, immediately, God, uh, Satan twists what God says. He said, did God say, and I'm taking liberty here with this for a moment, did God really say that you can't eat of every tree of the garden? Why would he keep something from you, Eve? Isn't, is he good? Does he actually love you? Because if he did, then you should be able to eat of every tree. I can imagine that the acute response, she says God has, is really giving it to Eve in this moment. Her response, she says God has said, you shall not eat nor shall you touch it lest you die. And he actually didn't say that. He said you only can't eat it. Which, which one is it, Eve? Now she's feeling a little bit of uptight and insecure. Which one is it? Can you not eat it or can you not? We can touch it. Both. Well, we can touch it. Oh, oh, okay. Well, here, touch it. It's this. It's like, like us in this world now where it's like, listen, all you're doing is texting him or her. You haven't met up. Nothing physical has happened. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not sinning. You're not cheating. It's just a text message. It's, listen, it's just, go, it's just two people going to get coffee. It's just, all it is is you just trying to love on someone. They're lonely. And what if, what if they're your soulmate? They're actually, this is crazy, but what if they're your soulmate? And you married the wrong touch. All you have, just, it's, it starts with a touch. It's such a subtle attack of the enemy. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I can touch it, but I just, I just can't eat it. It's not, it's not going to hurt you. His tactic was, can I get her to fall? Can I crack the door a little bit? Can I just create a bit of a wedge between what the father said and, and her and her husband? Can I just get them off of something that God said and get them onto something that I'm trying to sell them? We gotta be sober and we have to be watchful. What did God tell Adam about the tree of knowledge of good and evil? He said, you shall not eat of it, period. And had those words been acted upon and fully submitted to, they would have withstood the temptation and sin wouldn't have entered the world. It's a really simple directive. Adam, don't eat it. Just don't eat it. And all Adam had to do was take those words from God. That was a word of God, amen? 
and say, I'm going to listen carefully to this word and I'm not going to lose sight of this word that says, don't eat it. And if I don't lose sight of this word and I, as I listen carefully and I continue to do, it will actually bring life to my whole being and health to my body. That's all they had to do was just to do the word. The word works every single time that you choose to do it. Every single time. But like Adam and Eve, disobedience and disregard to the word of God is what is to blame for it not working in our life. It's not God's fault. Everybody just smile for a second. It's actually not God's fault. His word works every single time we use it. And whether Adam, and, uh, Adam was there or not, his eating of the fruit implied an unbelief in the absoluteness of God's word and a greater belief in Eve's. They, this is why I say something above the knowledge of God's word. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 tells us that we have to cast down arguments and every high or prideful thing that exists. In this moment, God's knowledge of God. In this moment, God said, and he said, I'm going to take what you said, I'm going to put something over what you said. And it created the fall of man. But Jesus steps into the picture. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Return, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in, the, in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, one second, Eve was in this place, was hungry. So I want you to pay attention to this for a second. Eve was in this place of, of it's the best of the best. It's the fullness of everything that God made. It is the Garden of Eden. It is heaven on earth. It doesn't get any better. 40 days and 40 nights and he is empty. You have Jesus had not eaten in 40 days and 40 nights and he is empty. It says that he is hungry. When you're full, the enemy might come. And when you're empty, the enemy might come. Why? Because I'm into their hearts to get them to believe something that God to see. Can I crack the door open? Into their hearts to get. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. Command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is. Then the devil by bread alone, but every word that comes from God. Then the devil, taking him on, on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and in a moment of time, I'm sorry, in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. How did he get that authority? Oh, from Adam and Eve, when they chose not to use the word correctly. For this was, this has been delivered authority I will give you in their glory. For this was, this has been delivered to me, and I give it to him whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus goes into the wilderness completely full, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he was empty, like I said, the enemy comes, the tempter comes. 
Satan always attacks at the birth of something new. I don't know what's new in your life. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what you're about to walk through. There's a man in our church, incredible man. He got a, a new job, a brand new job, a job that he wanted, a job that he was praying for, a job that he actually didn't know that he was gonna get, and then it was a breakthrough moment. And before he got to go to the orientation, he had a stroke. That's the enemy coming at the birth of something. Can I tell you the story is that we win? Because last week, that same man, two weeks after having a stroke, served in the kids' ministry. That's awesome. But he always comes at the birth of something. Satan will try you. He'll try to get your mind on something or somewhere else, or another church, or another woman, or a man, or a hobby, or another life. When, spot, when learning how to spot counterfeit money, they don't train people to look at the counterfeit thing, they train people to look at the real thing. Because the longer that they know, the more, that, the more relationship they have with what is real, the faster they can pick up on what is fake. The more relationship that you have with what is real, the faster you will pick up on, I'm just trying to crack the door open and get you off of what God said about your life. But if you don't have a relationship with the real, everything will become real. Same old tactics, same old tricks. In this moment, the enemy comes and says, if you are the son of God, sounds similar to, did God really say of the water? And he says, a, a voice cut than this. My beloved son, it doesn't get any more clear cut than this. It doesn't get any more identifying than this. You're my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Oh, that's not good for me. And so the enemy says, I better trip this up. If you are the son of God, can I get him off of what God actually said? Can I get them off of the fact that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, dragging themselves into God, get them over into this place of shame where they have to come dragging themselves into God's throne, hoping and pleading that he doesn't kill them, hoping that he actually still loves them because that's how sometimes we respond. See, shame to hear the love of the Father always makes it harder for you to hear the love of the Father. Because what you think in this moment is because I am ashamed and I did something wrong or I actually now believe that I'm something wrong, a throne room of grace where God says myself right before I can go back to the throne room of grace where God says I love you. Shame, it messes up your hearing. Temptation, Jesus passed every single test. Even when the enemy tried to twist the word and take it out of context, no, no, no. Jesus said, it has been said. He always uses the same tactics. Can I tell you this? If he beat your parents with that temptation, he's going to attempt to beat you with that temptation. And if he's beating you with the temptation and you don't deal with it, I promise you he's going to tempt your kids with the same thing. Can I get them off of live? Tactics aren't new. Can I get them off of living on purpose for God? And every temptation that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and fight and truth take on is every bit of wisdom and truth that you get to hand to your kids and say, hey, when and if this happens, 
this is what you fight with. Very, very, my son's 12. We're having some very, 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 very real conversations about anatomy. I'm not gonna go into them because you might be offended. But he's asking me some questions that are like, oh Jesus. And you know what I'm telling him? The direct truth. I have left nothing out. There is no why his body is doing the things that they're doing. Because if the law of first mention is real and they're most likely gonna believe the thing that they heard first, it should come from the father who actually has a history of fighting addiction to sexual sin for over 20 years and finally said enough is enough. I'm actually gonna fight this and now I have the wisdom and the truth and the know-how to give it to you, son, here it is. He's always coming at you and he's always coming at me with what he came at the ones before us did. He did it to the spiritual parents, Adam and Eve, and he did it to our spiritual brother, Jesus. If you are, and did God say, the outcomes are way different because of what they did with the word. Jesus kept the word. One led to the fall of man, the other one led to him redeeming all of those people that fell. I think it's interesting that the first thing that happened when Adam heard the voice of God in the garden after sin is that he was afraid. They sinned, it says that they hear, the, they hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And immediately what Adam and Eve decided to do was, oh crap. There's something wrong with us. We need to hide. We need to get as far away from this voice that has only showed us love because we are wrong and we don't deserve him. Obviously, we don't deserve what Jesus did for us. But because of what Jesus did for us, we actually get to walk in a greater degree of love than we ever did before. When you sin and when you mess up, the first place that you need to run is to your father, God. Yes, he knows that you did it, but it's for your benefit that you run to him and you pour your heart out to him and you actually exchange this love. You receive love and you give away sin. You receive grace and you offer up forgiveness. It's the safest place for you to run. And the enemy says, this thing that you need to get away from. And the enemy says, oh, you, oh yeah, he, he won't receive you. You need to come over here and you, you, you don't go to church because when you walk in, they're gonna know that you messed up. They have that ability. It's like the world or the enemy, like, or maybe even church, wrong church, theology, religion, I don't know. It's like, they make the outside world believe that Christians have super like x-ray vision. So you don't go in there because, oh yeah, the pastor, he knows what you did last night and he, he's gonna tell everyone in front of everyone. He's gonna tell on you in front of everyone. It's, it's not it. But how far of a wedge can I drive in the relationship with God? How much can I get them to not stop sin so that you can hear me? 
if listening to loud music or listening to something that is too loud, propose hearing in your ear, I would propose that listening to the voice of the enemy, the wrong version of truth, also damages your hearing. You all, all, all saying, I love you. you. hear frequencies that you could hear before and now all of a sudden you can't hear the Father saying, I love you like you could before. Why? Because you think that there is something now wrong with you that Jesus actually, listen, I know that you did a lot of stuff for me on the cross, but because of the way that I feel, it doesn't feel that you finished it all. So can you actually go get back on the cross and finish this one thing for me so that now I can go boldly into the throne room of grace? No, no, no. Jesus died once for all. Only response that you have, I come to you to the place where I know that I can receive the truth the most. And he says, of course, you're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. It's exactly what he told the woman caught in adultery. I'll never forget the first time, I'm gonna close with this story. I'll never forget the first time that um, I felt like God was speaking to me. Super scary, right? Because he was saying crazy things. Like things that I was uncomfortable with. I think that's one of the other things like, I don't know if I wanna hear God because he's probably gonna ask me to do something crazy. Most likely, yes, but it's good for us. I was, uh, I had just got saved. I was like a year into being saved and I didn't come from a church family. I didn't come from uh, a relationship with Jesus. I, it just, my dad, my dad confesses. And so uh, I got saved radically. It was amazing. I wasn't raised in a church context. And so uh, I got saved radically. It was amazing. It was wild. It was fun. It was crazy. And just had all these radical things happen. And then I got uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Baptism is all in the first year. And uh, language, I began to speak in tongues. Uh, this is all in the first year. And um, so this one evening in particular, I've told this story before. And, and, and so if you're tired of hearing it, I'm sorry. Uh, some of us haven't heard it and it's good for us to, to share testimony. But uh, I was in this meeting, um, it was like a, a college kind of age group meeting. And all of a sudden my hands went like on fire and they were sweating profusely. It was really uncomfortable. Like God was coming upon me in a way that I had not ever experienced it. And so I'm like, I'm sitting in this, this group and I'm like wiping my hands. I had pants on that were kind of this color. I'm wiping my hands. And as I wipe my hands, my pants are getting darker. My hands were sweating this much that my, now my, like, my pants are getting wet. And I'm like, okay, be careful where you wipe your hands off because people might think that you're, you're wetting yourself. It was so uncomfortable, but I was like, God, what are you doing? Something's happening. And he reminded me of this girl that I had met that morning. She's about 16. Uh, we, we were at a Bible study at a park and a friend that was coming to this Bible study brought some girls that she was mentoring uh, from Young Life with her to this Bible study. I didn't know these girls, I'd never met these girls. Something's going on with this girl and then the Lord's like, it's her leg. And when I say the Lord's like, it's her leg, I don't know how to explain that to you other than to say the Lord's like, it's your leg. It's like there's this knowing that happens on the inside of me it's a word of knowledge is what the scripture calls it. And it's a gift given by the Holy Spirit where you actually feel something on your body for someone else. My leg actually started hurting abnormally. I'm like, okay, Jesus, this isn't, this isn't for me, what, what's happening? So the, the meeting is over, the guy gets done talking. I go to the, 
go to the friend of mine that brought this young girl with her that morning. She's at this meeting with us that night. I go to her and I'm like, hey, so I don't know that girl's name, but you need to call her because I believe that there's something wrong with her leg. The Lord won't leave me alone about this. I don't know what to do with it other than to say it. She calls the girl. Sure enough, in the afternoon of that day, something happened in her body where her leg was basically paralyzed. I was like, okay, now what do you do, Lord? He's like, all right, go to her house. So I tell her, like, tell her we're coming over. She's like, well, her parents aren't gonna let her, let her like all these people come into her house. I said, well, like, see if you can carry her into the yard. Like, I feel like God wants to heal this girl. And so this is a, a, a brand new place for me. I had, no, I had not heard God like this before, but I was like hearing so, so accurately. So they go into the house, it was my wife and, and uh, a couple other girls, they go into the house and they're in there for a little bit. And I'm like, what's happening? So they finally, they, they carry this girl out into the yard, pull me aside and they say, hey, FYI, um, her, about the same time that her leg got paralyzed, um, there's some conversations that she was having online where a demon started taking over her conversations. I was like, oh, I've never had that happen before. I know this sounds really crazy. I start praying for this girl. She's, she's sitting here, her legs are here, her, she's facing that way and I kneel down and, and it's this leg, it's her, it's her left leg. I kneel down and I begin to pray. I just begin to lay hands on her leg and pray for healing. And as I'm praying for healing, the demon manifest out of the girl's mouth. Some of y'all's faces are like, what church did I just walk into? The demon starts speaking to me. I, I actually look up and I'm like, her, I, I'm like, where is this coming from? Her face is disfigured, her voice changes. And this thing starts speaking to me, telling me that this girl will forever be his and never be Jesus's. I've never experienced anything like this before. I'm like, all I did was trying to help the girl. I didn't need all that. Jesus could have warned me or sent somebody else. That'd have been better. I knew two things. I knew that anything that I pray in the name of Jesus, the Father hears and does, according to scripture. And I knew that there's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. So as a new believer, young believer, I just began to confess these two things over this girl until it broke off of her. She got completely delivered from the demon and completely walked back into her house as normal as the rest of us were walking. What you do with what God is saying, it really, really matters. About two years after the fact, I'm walking through Mardell, I walk down this one aisle and as I'm walking down the aisle, this, this girl walks down the aisle and she stops and she just stares at me. She worked there and she walked straight up to me and I, I didn't fully recognize her. She walked straight up to me. She goes, I know who you are. You came to me and you prayed for me in my yard. My life has never been the same. What you do with what God says, it really, really matters. Your life depends on it. And like we read in these two scriptures, the lives of so many other people do as well. What might happen in the neighbor, your neighbor's life if you actually obeyed the word of God, both written and spoken? I believe that if we're actually going to see the things that we're praying happen, it's going to take us saying, Jesus, you can do something really weird through me, 
my intention is that I wanna be after you. Give me a heart that's willing to follow you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.